Welcome to Let's Talk About Life, a podcast brought to you by LifeBank, the organ, eye, and tissue recovery agency in Northeast Ohio. Donation can be a complicated subject, but it is really all about life. So spend a few minutes as we unravel the complexities of donation. So come on, let's talk about life. LifeBank covers 20 counties in Northeast Ohio, serves approximately 4.3 million individuals, and includes several large cities like Akron-Canton, Youngstown, and of course, Cleveland. You can imagine the depth of complexity when providing services to a population of this size, especially when ensuring citizens have access to housing, food, water, and healthcare. We understand that organ donation and transplantation are just a tiny fraction of what's on the minds of those governing these metropolises. However, with diabetes and hypertension ravaging a lot of our communities, more individuals are ending up on dialysis and potentially on the organ transplant waiting list. Hi. You're listening to episode 135 of Let's Talk About Life. I'm your host, Colleen Gerber, kidney recipient and LifeBank staff member. Today, we have a special edition of Let's Talk About Life. I'm joined by my colleague, Edmund Wilson III, LifeBank's Community and Outreach Program Manager, and his good friend, Blaine Griffin, the president of the Cleveland City Council, And we are so happy you are here and welcome to Let's Talk About Life. Thank you for having me today. I think it's going to be a great conversation. And at this point, I am going to ask my colleague, Edmund, to lead the discussion about healthcare, especially in Cleveland, Ohio. Thank you, Colleen. As always, it's it's great to be on Let's Talk About Life with you. And as you stated already, today is a special edition and a special episode. I have the opportunity to sit and chat with my good friend, City Council President Blaine Griffin. Uh, so we're, we're definitely excited about this opportunity to, to talk with you today, Blaine. Let's jump right in. You know, you and I have known each other for, for a few years now. And, and in recent time, we have talked at length about, you know, your engagement in the community and what really motivates you. And so I I think it would be good to kind of start there. If you can just share a little bit with our listening audience about how did you get into politics and what motivates you about the work that you do? Thank you so much, Ed. And it's an honor and a privilege to be here. And I've really gotten to know Ed well and Glad about the passion that he brings uh, with LifeBank and what he's doing in the community. He's always been a community servant. And I'll start off there. I've always been a community servant. I've had two parents that were community servants. And uh, all the way back when my mother used to run a program called Stopping AIDS is My Mission. And, you know, I used to tag along with her to all of her meetings uh, when she was educating people on the HIV crisis back in the 1980s. So I've always had that community outreach health education spirit. And it's carried over to me after college, after being a college athlete, I was able to get involved with helping and mentoring young people. And eventually just being a a community organizer and becoming a public servant and eventually uh, led me to the office that I hold right now. So health and community outreach are in my DNA. 
That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that, Blaine. Uh, I really appreciate that. And so let's let's talk a little bit about what we see going on in the city of Cleveland as it relates to you know the steps that the city has taken to address community health issues. What steps has the city done to make community health care a little bit more accessible? And, and even what steps do you think the city has done or even needs to do to continue to build more trust within our, our neighborhoods? Well, I'll start out with my own word, because being the council president, I have the duty and responsibility overseeing public policy for the entire city. But when I first got on council, my position in the, the office that I held was as uh, the chair of the health committee. But I'll start off with Ward 6. I have the Cleveland Clinic in my footprint, as well as university hospitals. And the first thing I did is I got Tom Mahalovich, who is the president of uh, and CEO of Cleveland Clinic. And I put him in my car and I said, let's walk the neighborhood. And we walked the entire neighborhood. We didn't stay on main streets. We walked alleys. We talked to young people playing at parks. We talked to the seniors. And I had three requests that I made of Tom while we were walking that day. I said, do what you do best. I said, we as a community want to benefit from your research, your health care, making sure it's accessible. You know, we were able to do a few innovative things that I'll get to in a, in a moment. But I basically asked him to treat the community like a patient. How would you treat your patient? How would a caregiver treat their patient? Number two, I really pushed for workforce and making sure that we had workforce. And he's done some things to really follow up on workforce. Then we also talked about uh, fair and equitable development. But I want to stick on the first one. And the first one was so important because what we were able to accomplish was a biorepository uh, right at uh, about East 97th and Cedar. And one of the things that that prompted me to do is to do my research. And when I found out that 90%, 90% of the medicines that we take were not tested on people of color, that, that was shocking to me. And, and it helped me open my eyes to how we needed to be more strategic on how we reached out to our community. Because in doing my research, I found out that if we had race-based or ethnic-based type of testing, we would be in a better position as a community to really focus on having better medicine, blood pressure medicine, other kind of uh, medicine. So now we have a biorepository where the Cleveland Clinic does everything from tissue samples to blood samples to urine samples, and we all keep it in that biorepository. So now we're doing the job of trying to educate the community on how they can store a lot of their necessary tissue and blood samples and all those things at the biorepository so that we can have better testing. But Ed, you do know this, that a lot of the African-American community still has a lot of trepidation about donating uh, blood tissue samples and all those things. When Absolutely. you think about the Henrietta Lacks case down in Johns Hopkins in Baltimore, uh, where her cells were used to test for cancer unbeknownst to her, uh, and then the Tuskegee experiment. So we really had to overcome a lot of hurdles, but I've also become aware of how necessary and how important it is to make sure uh, that we promote this type of innovative research to our community. Wow, that's that's great, Blaine. Before I talked to you, I learned you know so much more, and I did not realize how ingrained in you know healthcare and in the actual research part of it that that you are. So I really appreciate that. To that point, 
Um, can you share with us a little bit about, you know, what, what are your thoughts and feelings or even, you know, ideas for addressing the rise of dialysis centers in the city of Cleveland, especially as it relates to your ward? Well, that's personal to me. And, and, and I always tell everybody, Ed, that nobody you know, cares what you know unless they know that you care. So I always start out with a personal story when I talk about these kind of things. And you may not even know this. And I'm going to share this with you today. Uh, my father had to do dialysis. He died when he was 60 years old. And uh, I'm 52 right now. So you can imagine the, what goes through my head every day. My father had to start taking dialysis unfortunately, because of excessive drug and alcohol abuse. And his uh, kidneys wound up going bad and his kidneys failed on him. And he died of organ failure. He died because uh, he could not receive a kidney. And unfortunately, other things, you know, led to his demise. But it's personal to me. If he would have been able to get that kidney transplant and make some lifestyle changes earlier, my father may still be with me here today. He he died in uh, July of 2009. So. It's personal to me about organ donation, because all I could think about is if it's one of my three sons, you know, will I be able to make sure that they have the organs that they need to survive if anything ever happened? And it's one of the reasons why I really challenge myself to be better and have a better lifestyle and better habits now because of watching my father go through dialysis. And we have so many people, my close friend, Dwayne Browder, many African-American men in my community have to make regular trips to the dialysis center. I live on uh, Larchmere Woodland and MLK area, and there are two dialysis centers within walking distance to me. And all I could think about is if we could have better, healthier lifestyles, and then also work closely on having organ donation so that we can extend the life of people, it'll be worth it. I will also tell you a personal story. My coach, uh, my college basketball coach, uh, his name is Hal Smith. He was a head basketball coach when I played at Malone College in Canton, Ohio. Uh, he had to have a liver transplant. And, you know, you learn so much through that process. He, they literally cut a liver and put it in him and the liver grew. I didn't know that that even could happen. Yeah. Uh, but he was able to benefit from that. So I've watched it personally transform and change people's lives. Therefore, I spent an enormous amount of time trying to educate the community on a lot of these issues and trying to make sure, uh, especially people of color, really are educated on the facts because there's a lot of superstition that we have to overcome. And also some real things, like I just mentioned, that we have to overcome just to convince and make sure our community uh, is aware that this is necessary, that we have to do organ donation. It's almost not even an option anymore. Uh, we really should almost press it as if it's almost a necessity. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Thank, thank you for sharing those very personal stories. I know that you know, I was having a conversation with another friend of ours talking about taking care of ourselves, being more proactive about our, our lifestyles and uh, the way that we eat and such. And it's always at the forefront of my mind, you know, remembering my, my grandmother who died at the age of 54. And, you know, I, I use this saying that she was the walking uh, stereotype for the African-American community as it relates to poor health care. You know, she had hypertension, you know, obesity, high blood pressure, you know, all of those things that that runs rampant in our communities. And unfortunately, she died as a result of, of having a stroke. Uh, so, you know, health care is, is definitely always at the forefront of my mind. So, again, thank you for sharing those stories. 
And everybody needs to know that some people put you in charge of helping me get my health together. (laughs) I can be guilty sometimes. You may not know this, but Ed has been trying to convince me to become a a vegetarian. And uh, I'm not there yet, but uh, I do uh, really appreciate it because Ed and I's friendship have grown. And uh, I admire how he takes care of his health. Just had to put that note in there. (laughs) Yeah, we're we're still working on it, but we're still working out together. So that's still working out together. We're working out together, which is great. So, you know, one, one thing that LifeBank is, is focused on is, yes, we want to do our part in increasing the donor registry rates throughout all the counties that, that we serve here in Northeast Ohio. But we're also really focused on really giving back to the community because we don't want to be seen as an organization that wants to take. Right. We really want to, you know, create partnerships. Do you have any thoughts or suggestions how, you know, we as an organization can get more involved in the front side, the proactive side of uh, healthcare and engagement around positive awareness in, in the community? Well, I'm glad that you said that because I often tell people that your best ability is your availability. Mm-hmm. And People don't like you to come around just at crisis time and say, I'm here to help. They like to have that relationship and build that relationship Mm -hmm. so that when it does become a crisis, wow, I know this organization is genuine and turn a sensitive ear and an approach to the community that's very, very sincere. And I think that's necessary to build trust. I often talk about my conversation with Tom. It was a very a very enlightening conversation with Tom Mahalovich when we were walking through the neighborhood. And we were talking about the distrust between the clinic and the community that developed over so many years. And a lot of it had to do with because the clinic almost turned their backside to uh, the Fairfax community. And that used to be a very rich, uh, culturally rich, historical black community, Langston Hughes, Jesse Owens, uh, the 105th Street and all of the other column posts and the black history that was right there, all the black churches right there. And here you got this big institution that almost turned its back to it. And Tom said something that was very profound that I tell everybody to answer your question. He said that trust is gained in drips, but it's lost in buckets. So you got to almost put those little drips in, little at a time, little at a time. Build that trust, little at a time. Uh, Because if it's lost, you know, it's lost in buckets. You know, it goes real fast. Uh, So... It makes you appreciate the the relationship that much more when you put those little drips in. You're less likely to just throw the bucket out the water. Uh, So I really encourage LifeBank to do things like come to community fairs, to be at ward clubs. And uh, I can tell you that I have a community meeting almost every night. Uh, Tonight I'll be in Little Italy and University Hospitals is a very good partner with what we do there. just really be present and really make sure that you help educate folks. I really work closely with a lot of the medical students because mm-hmm. I try to bring them in to just do blood pressure checks. You know, uh, um, you know, I have a lot of older people that come to uh, my meetings and they're very much like your grandmother, Ed, that, that you mentioned that, you know, sometimes they just they don't pay attention to their health. And, and let me just tell you the cascade effect. Uh, I have a neighbor that he got unhealthy. He wound up having to go into a nursing home. And then look at the residual effect. His kids won't take his house. So now his house is abandoned. So now his house has been broken into a couple of times. Now we have to go and try to maintain the house. Uh, You know, vandals and other folks are doing it. Then it starts the deterioration of a neighborhood. So 
those small little things can lead to further things if we yeah. don't address it. And I know I may it may seem like I'm exaggerating, but I would tell you that it's more stories like that in our community than people know. So I really say just have a high visibility and your best ability is your availability. Wow, that's that's interesting that you connected those dots and, and really, you know, show that it's more than just, you know, healthcare that it affects every, you know, social determinant of community health, really. So I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Colleen, I know that, you know, uh, uh, Blaine and I have really gotten gotten deep into our conversation and I'm certainly enjoying it. But, you know, is there anything that you'd like to add or, or any questions that you have for council president? Well, I was so happy to hear him mention Hal Smith. Hal has been a liver recipient, I believe, twice. And he was actually a LifeBank board member. But when I started at LifeBank, he was one of the first recipients or other recipients that I met. And what a wonderful guy, what a wonderful man. And he contributed so much to the early days of LifeBank and how we have grown since then. So, you know, we love Hal and we love Malone College. Uh, We've done a lot with them. We've had basketball camps and things with them. So kudos to you for mentioning Hal and having that wonderful relationship with him. That that really warmed my heart when, when you said that. The wonderful guy and the wonderful man of God. He called me about six months ago out the blue and I about fell out of my chair because, you know, that's my coach. You know, I still run through a wall for my coach. And, you know, <laughs> I laugh and tell, you know, if you, if you talk to him again, tell him you met his biggest headache in college, but his best rebound. <laughs> well done. He always loved us. And that's yeah. what I always appreciated. No matter how, um, how we had some things, you know, I was young and, bullheaded and doing a lot of things I wasn't supposed to do, but he always stayed in my corner. And he lives in North Carolina now, but he reached out to me uh, just about six months ago. And I was just happy to talk to him. And I remember when he was going through that, I was just like, wow. And I learned so much about organ donation then. And then, um, you know, like I said, just going through the ordeal with my father. When you can add a personal story to your professional life, it makes your job um, not a job. It makes it um, your commitment. It makes it your life. It makes it your, you know, your your purpose. And that's the way I look at my job. I'm just a public servant. I mean, people think, you know, because I'm a politician um, and, and the council president, I don't get caught up in titles. I'm just a public servant. I love people. I use these titles to try to promote platforms like you guys have with LifeBank, which I think is so important. Yeah, definitely. And I loved what you said about just the small things, just the small things. And it's almost individual care, you know, not just caring for your neighborhood, but individual care. And I love that. I think that's right on. If we care for each other, it would be so much better. We'd all be so much better off. Is there anything that you want to add that we didn't ask? No, I just um, I've been very, very impressed by the statistics that you've shown um, that, you know, one donor can actually um, save, I think, up to eight people and to save the restore site to two people and the organ and tissue donation, like we mentioned about the biorepository and life bank and other places uh, can save up to 75 people, just one person. So um, I always have been a donor myself. Uh, So my license, when they ask, do you want to be an organ donor? Uh, Yeah, you know, I I definitely want to do it because I want to make sure that if I can help anyone, one of my favorite songs is by Mahalia Jackson. If I can help somebody, um, you know, I will always uh, 
try to put myself in that position. So I just encourage everybody to be organ donors. And I'm just honored to be here and honored that, uh, you know, Colleen, you and Ed chose to allow me to be a part of uh, this message. Well, we're so grateful that you were available and made time for us specifically. And we see the growth in the city of Cleveland. And this really is a spotlight issue, I think. People are becoming more and more aware, and that's a great thing. So we applaud you for your efforts and all you're doing to help not only the city of Cleveland, but each and every citizen. So thank you so much, Council President. We, we appreciate your time, your efforts, and being a public servant. Thank you. And you got the right pitch, man. Ed Wilson III, uh, you know, he's out here and uh, he's well liked in the clergy. He's well respected amongst his peers. And uh, he's an honorable man that really, really uh, has taken this job to heart. So um, I'm proud to be a part of this. So thank you all so much. Thank you. We appreciate that. Thank, thank you so much. We hope you found today's episode informative and inspirational. You know, you can save lives simply by going to lifebanc.org and registering your donation decision. You can catch Let's Talk About Life on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, but you can always find it at lifebank.org. We thank you for listening and we hope you come back next time. And come on, let's talk about life. Thank you for listening to Let's Talk About Life. If you have questions about today's podcast, reach out to us at info at lifebank.org. Take a few minutes to do something heroic and register to be an organ donor by saying yes at lifebank.org. Literally, someone's life is dependent on it.